1: Wow, Elliot, uh before we begin, I just want everyone to give a round of applause. Uh, you are graduating from college this weekend. So let's uh ho- Hopefully everyone who is listening is clapping along as they listen. Uh Elliot, how do you feel graduating in a couple of days? You feel? I feel fine. Wow. Good deal. Good deal. Good grades. You're going to be a valedictorian?
0: No, <laughs> but I am a um, uh, cum laude. So there you go. Wow.
1: Yeah. I think that's what I was too. I want to say I can't recall, but. Dad said that he was wow. magna cum laude. What a, what a cool guy he is. I know. He's so, he's so much better than the rest of us.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: Well, and there's three levels, isn't there? Isn't it? Summa is, summa cum laude is 4.0 all the way through. Then Magna is like 3.6 or something. Yeah. Something like that. I might've been Magna then. I don't know. Well, very interesting. In other news, before we get into reviewing the film, we have watched all of The Mandalorian season three now, so we can deliver on our promise to provide (laughs) commentary on it. Elliot, you watched the last few episodes with me. I watched the whole series. Overall, I liked this season more than the second season because I felt like it had more episodes that were just like knowingly just a silly standalone sort of thing, which I think is the show is basically a Saturday morning cartoon masquerading as prestige television. And it's best when it's just leaning into the fact that it's a Saturday morning cartoon. So I like this season more than the last one. I still didn't think it was fantastic. Um... Because there was, there's still, there's just so little in it to be all that excited about, in my opinion. But it did bring one of my favorite Legends characters to the new canon, Gilead Palin, which I'm really excited about. I love that character. I'm assuming he's about to just get absolutely butchered in the same way that Boba Fett was, but such is life. Elliot, did you, <laughs> are you just,
0: exploding with passion for how good this season was. Uh I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh as you said, I watched like part of the first episode. I watched a good chunk of the the one where it was about the imperial former imperials being rehabilitated and then yeah, I watched the last 3. Um albeit I'm I have to admit to a certain level of detached attention uh, yeah, I thought it was a complete farce. Um, there was no real character development. Uh, there was nothing really interesting happening. This show's action is just the most flaccid, dull, pantomime violence that I could possibly imagine. It is so uninteresting. And uh, yeah, they're, they're even even barely paying attention as I was, there were so many moments where I where I noticed things that just didn't make sense. Uh, I think the most egregious thing for me was how um, in the finale and in the episode directly preceding the finale, uh, the stormtroopers, like there was no consistency and the Mandalorians, there was no consistency as to when they got one shot killed or when they could tank a few hits before they died. Their armor was... Uh, who knows what it was made of, but it was a it was a fickle, fickle invention. Because sometimes it was just like, no, no, <laughs> no, forget this. You can just die.
1: Yeah, uh, that is correct. I will say, I did think the aerial sort of battle was, at the very least, a clever sort of idea. I don't know if it was as well implemented as it could have been, but it was something that was kind of visually interesting as opposed to some of the really egregiously lame shootouts that they had had in the
0: rest of the season. Dude, the shootouts are just embarrassing the way they, the way they just stand you. I think you said it really said it really well when we were watching it that they, they fight like, Oh, sorry. They fight like Revolutionary War soldiers, just standing in lines across from each other, no attempt at cover, no attempt at maneuvering, just firing until somebody catches enough, until enough people catch enough bullets that one side has to leave. Yeah. Mm, Jeez.
1: Well, enough of that. Enough of that. We're on to... The, movie, the film we're going to review today, I can do the plot rundown. So we are doing The Thing, the 1982 version, not the 2005 or 4 or whenever that other one came out. And basically the plot is, it's a remake of The Thing from Another Planet. Is that what it's called?
0: The thing from another world which in turn is based on a short story called who goes there yes so it is a oft oft
1: remade story and the premise is fairly simple some antarctic explorer scientist people de- discover that a nearby base has been destroyed pretty much everyone there is dead and they come to realize that it was destroyed by a shape-shifting alien that can kind of assimilate. I can't tell if it eats the people and then makes a clone or if it just takes over, like, the body of the person, but it's able to imitate people and then, you know, it's a nefarious alien, so it's trying to kill people. So then the bulk of the film is these scientists trying to figure out who's an alien, who's human, and how to kill it, basically. It's a I mean, you know, it's a fairly simple premise, I think. And, Elliot, you chose this, so let's go. Initial thoughts. What's your experience with this film, and what did you think watching it this time?
0: Uh, Yeah, I... We watched this together um for the first time, like a few years ago, I think uh and I liked it a lot, having watched it the one time, and I always meant to go back to it, but just never really got the opportunity but now that we do this every week, I can use it as an excuse to watch or rewatch movies that I was already planning on watching or rewatching um and so most of, well, all of my favorite horror movies are not very scary, like Scream, Halloween, uh, It. I don't find them particularly scary because I'm a baby and I don't actually like being scared. So they're more kind of pulpy, fun kind of horror than like psychological horror that's actually trying to make you feel unsettled and nervous. So I think that The most, the strongest endorsement I can give of this movie is that it is a legitimately frightening, unsettling movie to watch. And despite that, it is probably my favorite horror movie.
1: Wow, that is quite an endorsement. I think, like you said, we watched this together. I have not watched it, rewatched it since that one time. I watched it today. I really enjoyed it. I've got so, I've got a few issues, but I do I do think this one really this this one held up. I'd say it's probably in like the matrix school of movies that you just watch it and you're like this is just really cool. Like this is really good, solid technical filmmaking and the issues are all like pacing and stuff. But yeah, so I did not take notes for this film because it was very early in the morning when I watched it and I didn't have the energy to get notes. So where where do you want to start the discussion of this film at, Elliot? Uh,
0: I want to start with how clever this movie is on a number of levels. Uh, the first one, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of setting, this is a great setting for a horror movie. This just wide-open expanse of... ...blank nothingness. I mean, it makes... it ...it's alien... Uh, ...by which I i don't mean like... ...it's like the movie Alien. I just mean that it's... ...someplace unfamiliar... Uh, ...and frightening... ...and obviously it serves a narrative function... ...in that it traps them. Um, but also, I think that... Uh, ...this movie does so much... ...so much of why this movie is so creepy... Is because of the way, the skillful way that it handles un- the uncanny, um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna use that English degree that I've worked in the past four years for, and, and explain that <laughs> the uncanny is a, a literary or a visual aesthetic that takes something that looks almost if not completely familiar and normal but introduces some element of it to it that makes it that defamiliarizes it and then the the sort of conjunction of the familiar and the unfamiliar creates this feeling of something's wrong so the uncanny valley is where this comes from when a cgi thing looks really good but you know that it's fake And it just seems a little weird. Dead bodies are uncanny because they look exactly like a human being should, but they're not moving. They no longer are functioning like a human being is supposed to. And I think that this movie does that perfectly with the the idea that these are... that they look and talk and act just like they should, but you know that there's something wrong with them. And then obviously when they turn into... (laughs) body horror extravaganzas, it becomes even more obvious that something is wrong with them. But, like, the scariest moment in this movie, by far, for me, is when Bennings, uh, the guy, the balding guy with the red hair, gets thingified and runs out into the snow, and everyone circles around him, and it looks like him, it's just he has a weird hand, and then he opens his mouth and does that weird scream thing. Oh. Oh that that is so that is so freaky and it's a fantastic moment. It's such a well constructed moment because it draws on the uncanny so heavily by mixing this perfectly normal looking actor with decidedly abnormal hands and a chilling noise. Like hats off to the sound design for coming up with that thing.
1: Yeah, well, and I think the moment that really gets me is the first time he, the guy puts the thing dog in with the rest of the normal dogs. And then as soon as it's left alone, it starts making a growl that is not a growl that a dog makes. And then all of the like little thingies start coming out of its (laughs) body and its face splits. It's a
0: freaky (laughs) I bet that's what the, the things, baby, the things, uh, adolescent things are called, thingies. <laughs> thingies. <laughs> a thingy grows into a full-grown thing. Yeah. Well,
1: and I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about the in really amazing practical effects involved in the thing. I think the thing that really amazed me. We're going to say they, the thing a are. lot in this episode yeah but what really amazed me is how many times it moved or stuff was in motion in a way that i'm not used to seeing with practical effects like usually if something's practical it's very stationary because it's a puppet and it's not like you can't really move a puppet with much realism but stuff like the one guy's head, like his head falls off and then becomes a spider and it's crawling around. That thing really freaked me out because it, I wasn't used to practical effects moving like that. And it looked, I don't know if they use like a jello thing or what to do his like head pulling off its body and then falling down. But the way that, they're able to use practical effects in motion really impressed me because usually it's like, you know, something like Jabba the Hut and Jabba's very stationary. He just sits there and he looks very real, but you're also, there's not a lot of motion involved in, right? The puppeting of Jabba. So uh, th- that's what really impressed me is the things moving in a way that seemed more malleable than, puppet
0: yeah the things are nasty and they are creative in their nastiness uh like the way the the dog thing's head splits open into a kind of demogorgon style flower thing and then yeah all of his little hairs come out and i really do think that the sound design deserves special credit here because the sound that the that it makes the like ambient It sounded, it sounded kind of like wings, like really fast wings buzzing. Um, and it's just so unsettling uh, in addition to, and there's, there's so many unsettling things about the way the thing operates. Like when the thing dog just sprays water at the one other dog, it's just so weird. And you have no idea where it's coming from or why it's even doing that. Um, and same thing with the head, like it just, the just different appendages will sort be almost. It almost seems like they're being made on the fly to adapt to the thing, whatever situation the thing is in. And it's just, yeah, it's really creepy. But it is so well done that I, I, I just like it. it. It conquers my fear to rise to a level where I'm scared, but also like, oh wow, I, 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 I'm impressed at how. The movie is scaring me. Um, And yeah, I I looked up reviews for this, and I was doing a bit of research on the movie. And so the thing, quite famously, uh, was very poorly received on release. Didn't make a lot of money, and the critics really disliked it. And I was reading the reviews, the negative reviews at the time, to see... If it was like just a generational difference or what it was that people weren't jiving with. And so many people were like, Oh, the effects are terrible. They don't look really realistic at all. It's just just overdone. And I was like, I I, I just don't see it. Like these effects, obviously they don't look photorealistic. Like they they look a bit plastic and they although they are very mobile, they move in a mechanical, puppety kind of way but i think that adds some retro charm to it in this day but even back then yeah i don't i don't know the the design the designs alone like the artistic the art direction i think is alone is worth praising so yeah critics are crazy thank goodness we're not critics <laughs> yeah thank goodness we're not
1: critics wow well then i i'd sort of want to move You know, we've talked about The Thing and all of the strong sort of sense in that. And then the other component of the movie is obviously The scientists. So the main protagonist or main character is Kurt Russell's McCready, Max. There's a few other notable people. I have trouble keeping any amount of characters straight, and so I was... Overjoyed when people started dying in this one because I they were killing people that I couldn't remember the name of. So, but I I still think I kind of lose sense. I think the most interesting thing about the characters, in my opinion, is how they are all real pieces of work. Because like Mac is fairly blasé about the fact that he did just murder Venice or the 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 dog guy. Clark. Clark. Okay. See, I can't remember anyone's name. But like, he finds out Clark was a human and he's just like, okay, that's a bummer. And I really, I really love the line when they think Mac is the thing. And so they lock him out. And Childs goes, or I can't remember who says it, but someone says it to Childs. Like, oh, what if we're wrong? And Childs just goes, then we're wrong. Like (laughs) all of these, uh, there's very little backstory given for any of these characters, but they all seem very dedicated to the idea of, I just don't want to die. And if other people have to die, that's a bummer, which I, I found kind of interesting. And it's certainly a different, it's certainly a far cry from like Ripley trying to save everyone in the original alien, like from other horror movies where, the cast is all trying to kind of collectively save each other in this one. Everyone's kind of out for themselves. And I think that's also just from the nature of, right. The thing could be anyone. So they have no reason to try and save everyone else. Cause one of them could be an
0: alien. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I really liked the characters in this. Uh I would say that the mains would, are probably McCready, Childs, and Blair, the doctor who gets locked up after a bit, after he goes crazy. Um, but I can remember a few others. <laughs> uh they 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 don't necessarily have characters in and of themselves, but they are distinct, I feel. Uh so like Windows, uh the guy who wears the sunglasses is, is is a nervous kind of guy, even before the thing starts thinging people. Excuse me. Palmer is the really spaced out one who might be suffering from some kind of cabin fever or something. Uh, I think the captain, the guy with the gun, is named Gary. Um, and then the other doctor, I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy who gets his arms eaten in the belly monster, which is which is was a real shock the first time I saw this. But uh, yeah, I think that, I think you're definitely right. These are not very heroic characters. And that's mm. in keeping with John Carpenter's style, which is m- uh, a bit on the more grim, nihilistic side. Uh, it's also due to the nature of the threat that there's not really, that there's an inherent risk in acting uh, altruistically which i think is a really i really appreciate that about the movie because it adds so much to the tension and creates an atmosphere of paranoia very much like the shining where you're just never safe like there is always a threat at one point or another uh which i think it makes it makes the movies the movie's moments even when there's not some resident evil style monster on the screen it still makes it scary um uh, yeah and uh i also kurt russell is fantastic he's such a cool like all american hero in this uh and his beard and his hair are amazing and honestly a not insi- i feel like a not insignificant portion of my appreciation for McCready as a character comes to his costume design like the leather jacket and the hat and the sunglasses he just looks he he looks vintage 1980s cool
1: yeah well and i think in in terms of that sort of paranoia and distrust that the movie builds something that i noticed this time is how few people are the alien like when they do the blood test only one guy is the alien. Like, the movie would have you believe that you can't trust anyone, and so the characters are acting like, oh, anyone could be the alien, and then it turns out, oh, there was only, right, one person who was the alien, and maybe Blair as well, possibly. I think it's there's a lot of ambiguity in the film as well, and I think I it would take way more effort than I'm willing to put in to try and figure out who could or couldn't be the alien. And the movie ends on a fairly ambiguous note as well of uh, Childs reappears following the finale and he could be the alien as well. And the movie just leaves Mac and Childs sitting there doing nothing. (laughs) But I think the, the fact that so few people are really the alien as shown in the blood test is just a testament to how much the movie is built on this paranoia and distrust. And that's even further done by, right, these characters are not very good people. So they're already distrustful. They're not great. And then you introduce this new wrinkle of, oh, you can't trust these people because they could be an alien. And, you know, they all just
0: go nuts. Uh, Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that that's a big part of the movie's biggest strength is this constantly, it's not building tension because there's no, there's not really a sense that we're building towards anything, but there's a constant, the tension is constantly present uh, as they move through different strategies to try to keep themselves alive. And I think that a big part of the way the movie maintains that tension is always inviting you to try to work out in your head who could be a thing, who couldn't be a thing. Uh, what exactly, there are a lot of open-ended questions about the nature of the thing. Like, we don't know if the thing came, if the thing, like, was operating the ship that it crashed in, or if it had infected whatever was. We don't really know how it works or what it wants. Like, it's only motivation seems to be, it seems to have a motivation or a goal that might, or does transcend simple instinct by which I mean, it's not just like blindly trying to eat people. It strategizes. It tries to hide itself and it reveals itself only when forced to, and it's actively building something to try to get away to achieve a goal, which suggests a certain level of sentience, which in turn makes it so much more ominous. The fact that we never get any answers to the questions about, what is it what does it want how to what level is it aware of what it's doing and i think that that i think that that's always or usually it's more satisfying to have those questions... to ask those questions than it is to answer them um although you mentioned this and i agree i am not 100% sure how thingification works because i'm not sure if they kill some i don't think it's that they kill someone and then, like, absorb them to become them. Because in the blood test scene, Palmer is the thing and he bites on Windows. And then when they come back, they kill Palmer and they come back and Windows is transforming. He's becoming a thing. So, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not sure how it works. If, like, this, I think in the simulation, the computer simulation, it suggests that the cells of the thing just replace every cell in the body, and thereby it becomes just like the the human body. So yeah, it's but it's still unclear like how fast it works or why 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 it takes a bit. I I don't know. It it it's a it's a bit strange, which could be a plot hole. Could be just them trying to. Make it scarier by leaving these kinds of questions about the thing and what it does unanswered. But uh, yeah, I still, I still think it's, it's, it, it works for what the movie's going for. Yeah,
1: I agree. Now, uh, I want to kind of pivot to my negative because a lot of what we've been talking about very positively is stuff that really only applies to kind of the back half of the movie. And I found the front half of the movie. The movie is not super long. It's like an hour and 50 minutes. But the first... I was surprised by how much of the movie was set up. Was like them flying to the Norwegian base. And they find the stuff at the Norwegian base. And then they come back. And then they fly to the alien ship and come back. It's It felt to me like we were making we were spending too much time on buildup when the premise didn't really need that much buildup. Like the premise is fairly simple, right? An alien can shape shift and it's trying to kill us. So I was kind of surprised that it spent, and I didn't remember it spending this long on them like getting more information about the thing, which I felt was kind of superfluous in the long run of the movie, that why do we need to go and see the alien spaceship? It doesn't take a genius to find out I think this thing might not be from Earth, especially since they show a spaceship at the beginning, which is goofy. Since they then say the spaceship landed hundreds of thousands of years ago, that why did the movie had quite a time jump? Then, if it did, but I, I just think the front half of the movie doesn't have a lot of what makes the back half of the movie so exciting and good. Is kind of my opinion.
0: Uh yeah I can see that to a certain extent. I think we've already established that I am generally more forgiving of movies when they're trying to set things up um I mean this is basically the same disagreement that we had about jurassic park that i i I prefer when they there's it, when a movie allows time for things to get established before it gets into uh the what we all came for um I I I think that they de- probably could have trimmed the setup um but in my mind it was it wasn't just establishing like the threat and the stakes thereof it was also establishing the characters and the layout of the base like where everything is where people can be at certain times uh, the oh excuse me I keep on having that weird hiccup thing um it's setting up where they are and what they're doing, and why they can't leave, and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't have that much of a problem with it. To be honest, my only uh nagging problem with this movie is there are times where the decisions that people make are clearly made in order for them to get thingified. Um, like <laughs> it's it's a bit contrived the way they get people separated. Like, the the most egregious example of this is there at the very end when Niles and MacReady are in the tunnels setting up the bombs. Niles sees uh, Blair Thing walk past with the the captain's body, doesn't say anything to MacReady, and wanders off after him. That is so stupid, and it legitimately made me roll my eyes when I watched it, because I was like, come on, there's no possible way in this situation people are splitting up and there are other examples where people yeah. decide to split up and i'm like why it is so important in this horror movie of all horror movies for characters to keep an eye on each other <laughs> yeah
1: i i definitely agree with that and i'm also kind of confused as to the timeline of the, like, how long, what length of time the film takes place over, because Blair seems to have d- made a lot of progress building a spaceship somehow out of helicopter parts, which is kind of a, like, even, it, there was even some sense in my mind of the actors being like, you know, I, we've got to deliver these lines to convince the audience that this is a feasible thing for someone to do. But, I was just like, how long has this been taking place? And I do agree there near like the beginning or the middle sort of section. There was a lot of times where I'm like, why are we not all just staying in the same room and moving as a unit? Like, why are we ever apart? This seems like as soon as we find out it can imitate people, feels like we should really from that point on say anyone who leaves is for sure the alien and is going to be shot. But they spend a lot of time with people just meandering about the base. Which is kind of, you know, not what I would do. I would for
0: sure survive this situation a hundred percent. Uh yeah, one other thing that I did have a question about is the one the the like doctor's apprentice, I can't remember what his name is, um says that all it takes is a particle of a thing to infect someone if that's the case then they're done for uh there's no way to destroy it because they, i mean wouldn't particles of it be all over the place wouldn't they have to like i don't know dissolve the entire compound in a huge portion of the surrounding area in like acid in order to fully get rid of it
1: Yeah, one, that's just one of those ambiguities that you can either get hung up on or you can just decide "Eh, it doesn't really matter. The movie is very, you know, fun or enjoyable because, yeah, it, it seems to imply every cell of the thing is like capable of being the thing. And if that's the case, yeah, there are like all of them are for sure infected. Everyone's the thing by the end and it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, but, you know... Oh my gosh, I just said, you know... I've been trying so hard this episode. <laughs> I've been trying so hard! Ugh,
1: dang. I was gonna oh, sit with that for brilliant. a while. Poor
0: Elliot. No. What you said, I think, is that you can either get hung up on it... Or just just let it go. And I am more than, in, more than willing to just let it go, in this case. Um, it's just like the plot holes in The Dark Knight... Where I, I just sort of observe them impassively. I'm like, oh yeah, could have done that, but he didn't. Oh well, I love this movie, um, and that's pretty much my same thing. Is that uh, I think why, uh, why? Why are they separating? One of them is going to get thingified, uh, but that's okay because the thing is a great uh, antagonist, and I'm excited to see more of where the movie the the movie goes with it and how it builds the interpersonal conflicts that. Um, that so much of the movie's tension is built on. built on. And on that note, I do want to observe that these guys, I, I mean, like you've already kind of pointed out, these guys are really quick to turn on each other. Like, like, they really fly off the handle. Child, especially is such a cold-blooded guy <laughs> so quickly. I honestly wonder if, maybe, well, I, I think I'm just repeating stuff that you said, that they were already kind of, predisposed to uh suspicion and hostility towards their peers
1: yes yeah well and child's you know let's just have a shout out keith david iconic voice actor here in one of his few live action roles i think he does a great job um I'd also like to give a shout-out, Anil Morricone did the score, which is kind of interesting. I feel like usually John Carpenter does his own scores, as well as this is a very synth-heavy score, which is more typical of Carpenter than Morricone, but I think it's a really fantastic score. It's got a lot of the same sort of stuff as The Shining, that it's just long, dramatic synths that just make you feel upset as they continue... (laughs) Being drawn out.
0: This music is upsetting me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: But Morricone, in case you don't know, iconic composer. He composed the good, the bad, and the ugly score. So if you've ever seen like a Western, Morricone did the classic Western.
0: That sort of thing. Yeah, he, 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 he like stamped the twangy guitar and the high-pitched brassy notes that would come to define the the sound of the West. Um, and I'm glad you pointed him out here because I also really liked the music. Um, once again, it's not something I would listen to casually, but it does do a great job of complementing the on-screen action. It honestly reminded me a bit of Jaws in that the music was kind of used mm. as a signal for something bad happening. Like, I re- I, I really liked... The first moment when McCready and the doctor, the other doctor, not Blair, uh, get in the helicopter and leave. And it, there's, there's a shot of everyone looking out the window, watching them go. And then it just does the da da as it pans down to show the dog lying under the table. I thought that was really good and really well done.
1: Mm.
0: And I always appreciate it when yeah. there's a clear collaboration between writer, director, and composer like that.
1: yeah well Elliot do you have any other final thoughts on the movie I feel like you know it's it's a fairly simple movie but again this is just this is filmmaking sort of 101 like you take a solid premise you get some amazing practical effects and then you just do a dope movie you know Regardless of how, of of my final rating, if I'm ever at someone's house and they're like, hey, do you want to watch The Thing? That's a for sure yes. A definite,
0: I would love to watch The Thing. It's a fun a fun flick. I can't imagine anyone just saying that at a, like a party. Like, hey guys, this party's getting a little, getting a little dull. Let's pop on The Thing. But then again, I've literally never been to a party uh, or a party like that just to, just a bunch of people gathering to to make revelry. So you would know better than me. Um, no, I don't think. I I want to say rest in peace to the dogs. I I was very sad to see them all go. The poor puppies really had a rough time of it. Um, but also, I thought that, and this is something that John Carpenter specifically pointed out, was that he was really pleased with the screen dog that played the thing. Uh, his name is Jed. Apparently. And I did, I did think like, wow, this dog is legitimately unnervingly calm and slow moving. I wonder how they managed to get him to do all this. Uh, And also, I just really, I just always think it's funny to see screen dogs uh, look back off screen to the person who is off screen, their handler off screen, who is like telling them to do something. Uh, I saw that. Once in the very beginning of the movie, when he's running across the Arctic waste and he pauses for a minute and he looks back and then he's like, Oh, gotta keep going. Gotta keep going. And I just I just like that. I just like it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think
1: just since you mentioned it, it does also go to show uh how kind of scummy the main characters of this movie are that they very quickly as soon as the norwegians show up shooting at a dog they're instantly like oh time to kill them like there's there's very little debate of maybe we should try and bring them in without killing them and then parse out what uh exactly is going on with them and why they're shooting at a dog so strangely like it, there, that that thought never crosses their mind they just instantly gun shoot good job we did it
0: yeah I, I guess I mean they they are packing heavy explosives and and heavy weaponry and they are shooting at the base actively so I could understand in this situation them concluding that this is that they weren't shooting at the dog that they were shooting at them although then it wouldn't make sense why he walks past them to pursue the dog I don't know I didn't think it was that big a deal. What I did think was hilarious was the epic grenade fail by the guy at the beginning. And then for some reason, instead of just booking it away, he tries to find it again to do what with (laughs) try to put the pin back in. I I don't know. It was, it was really funny. Yeah, that was, and
1: that's one of those things that it's like, it's, the movie has to happen, right? So the Norwegians can't communicate to the Americans, hey, this thing is evil and you need to kill it. So (laughs) that's just one of those things where it's like, how do we get them both to die? Well, one gets shot. How does the other die? I don't know. He drops a grenade. (laughs) To be fair though, you know, grabbing and holding and throwing things with gloves is very difficult. You know, I've always had difficulty with that. And if he had, like, mittens, those things are not conducive to good grip. So I think we can give the Norwegians a pass on this one.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Um, Elliot, final rating. Here we go. Uh, yeah, so as I said in the beginning, this is probably my favorite horror movie. I'd say it's a toss-up between this and Scream, uh, but I, I just love Scream for a lot of other different reasons. Very different reasons from this movie. But this movie, uh, the tension is immaculately crafted. I feel like it's very well paced. Uh, the creature effects are amazing. The Thing and the idea of The Thing is one of the greats of movie antagonists and movie monsters. Um, I would say up there with like the Xenomorph or Godzilla. Uh I love Kurt Russell and his beard and his hair and his glasses and his jacket and his hat and his Kurt Russell-y voice. Um, I also think that the characters are all distinct. I really like the way they play off each other and the way interpersonal conflict builds the tension as well as just the displays of unspeakable body horror. And uh, yeah, this movie is very frightening and very tense, but I really enjoy it despite that. And that is not something I can say about the vast majority of horror movies that I watch so I'm going to give it an a minus the 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 a My, minus uh, coming from uh, some doubts that I have sorry some doubts that I have about the way the thing works and the sometimes con- contrived manner by which people are separated
1: yeah i i think i'm going to end up pretty much in the same place i think a lot of the things you said i think this is you um, you somewhat besmirched the idea earlier, but I think this is a perfect like big group movie just cause it's got a lot of great jump sort of not jump scares, but moments where people would jump and be very freaked out as well as I think it would be a lot of fun to watch it and be like, Oh, who do you think is the thing right now? Who do you think's an alien? So I, I think this would be a great group movie. If we ever throw a party together, Elliot, we should have, we should watch it at the end of the party. (laughs) But yeah, it's really good. Fantastic technical filmmaking on every level. Um, I just have some issues with that early kind of building tension space of the film. I think it kind of runs a bit slow, but uh, yeah, I'm going to give it, An 8.2, 8.2 or an 8.3. It's a really fun movie. I really, I really enjoy it, yeah.
0: So, yeah, we'll, uh, for our end of year Magellans at the Movies wrap party with you, me, Marissa, and Jake, we can all watch The Thing together. Fun!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a real, a real hoot and a half. Anyway. (laughs) Um, let's, let's recommend some movies. You know, we don't use, we don't always do this, but I think maybe we should recommend some films this time. That's a (laughs) good idea. We should make that a recurring thing. For sure. Uh, Elliot, would you like to go first with your recommendation?
0: Uh, yeah, mine is the, I'm not going to do my usual big prologue where I build up to the movie. I'm just going to say it. Uh, the invasion of the body snatchers, the 1978, uh, It's not key for Sutherland, is it? Or is it? It is. No, it's Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Donald Sutherland version, also with Leonard Nimoy, Spock, very, very good actor. Wow. Um, So this is a remake of the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it is, I've never seen that one, but this one is usually the one that people point to when they say, oh, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a great movie. Um, The basic gist of the premise is, very similar to the thing, in that people are getting replaced by identical copies of themselves that are from another world. It's like a plant. It honestly, it's also like the thing in that the mechanics of the copying process are very ambiguous. Um, but an alien plant will basically grow a copy of a person who is completely unemotional and logic-driven. They're trying to spread around the world. Uh, it's a very much a slow burner. Uh, Nathan, there's a lot of setup, I'm afraid, in this movie. As they as the situation kind of deteriorates and more and more people are shown to be body snatched or body snatchers. Um, but yeah, the effects in this movie are really good. The acting is really good. Jeff Goldblum is in it and he does a he does a very good job. So does Donald Sutherland. So does the whole cast. Um, like the thing, it's about uh slowly growing tension drawn from the uncanny, from normal things acting abnormally, um, and yeah, it's a really good, solid movie. It's not as scary as the thing, obviously, because I like it. Um, but it is still well crafted, well paced, well acted, and it's just a, it's just a good time. It's a darn good time.
1: Well, I haven't seen that, but it does sound very similar to this film. My recommendation is a bit different in that it's not about people being copied. And I'm not going to do a lot of discussion of this movie. I'm just going to say my recommendation is 10 Cloverfield lane came out in like 2014. I want to say, and it's fantastic. I don't want to give away any of the plot because I think this movie is really, made on going in as blind as possible and just experiencing the story as it's told to you. But, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it. She's really fantastic. Uh, oh shoot. John Goodman is also in it and I think he is absolutely incredible in this movie. This movie is a heck of a thriller. I watched it for the first time literally at midnight with our sister And it was one of the scariest film experiences I've ever had. But it's just phenomenal. It does an amazing job of building tension, of making you question the things that you've kind of come to expect about the world the movie builds. And it's just a really phenomenal, low-key sort of psychological thriller. I love it. So that's my recommendation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've also seen that movie. I don't think I've ever been able to muster up the same appreciation for it that you have, but I I definitely recognize that it's a really strong, really well-made movie. Love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, John Goodman is very much playing against type, I think in this movie, and he does it, he does it very well. He shows that he has more range than he is usually allowed to display. Um so yeah, I would I would definitely second this recommendation. I would also Second, the idea that life is hard and full of disappointments. Wow. I
1: just, as one more thing about 10 Cloverfield Lane, the script had a rewrite rewrite by Damien Chazelle. So I just want to shout out Damien Chazelle, goat director there, worked on this film. (laughs) All right. Well... Elliot, uh, once again, congrats on graduating. you know, Dad had a lot of conversations with me that he didn't think you would do it. He said, "I don't think he has it in him. He's kind of the dumbest of all my children, so I'm so glad you could have pro- uh, you proved him wrong, you know, congratulations. Thanks. I owe it all to cheating.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, that's you shouldn't advocate for cheating on our podcast, Elliot. I dedicate this semester to the, the one who it really belongs to, ChatGPT. Wow. I knew it. I knew
1: it. Wow. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. We're going to be back next week with another new episode. It's almost like there's one of these every week, but uh, we like to keep promising that there will be one next week. Barring any unforeseen circumstances. So we hope you have a great week and we will see you next Friday.